Welcome to the Tech Savvy Professor podcast, two faculty who love tech and love making it part of their work. I'm Marty Gensius, an associate professor at Kent State University. And I'm Eric Perry, clinical faculty at Southern New Hampshire University. Okay, so today we just kind of decided a couple of days ago, our topic for today is browsers and how we use them. I, uh, I'm always looking for a better, more efficient browser and new ones come along and they're like, oh, you got to check this out. And I keep falling back into the same vortex. But you seemed, you said you seemed pretty excited about uh, talking about browsers today. Yeah. Well, I don't know if excited is the right word. It's not, it's not a super thrilling kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I have a tendency to just ignore a lot of the browsers that come on different devices, you know, and I, I thought, let me look up and just see what I've missed in a while. Cause I I've used Chrome primarily for everything, Firefox here and there, but Chrome seems to operate with all of the, the web-based platforms that I use for teaching. So it's usually the most less buggy type of browser that I would use, but I thought, let me tinker around with some things. Let me take a look at, what's out there. And there are a plethora of discontinued browsers that you can you can see just over the course of time. I was astonished by the amount that are out there. Do you remember any names of them? I just remember the ones that I think are still out there. So I had I, I had taken a couple of notes. So a lot of people should remember Netscape. Yeah, sure. AOL Explorer. Um, there's there's tons <laughs> out there. Uh, Internet Explorer, I guess, is what would be one that is technically discontinued. It's Edge now, so they've, yeah. they've rebranded, kind of reformulated. But some some of the ones I've used in the past were Mosaic. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody had ever used that. Prodigy had its own. And <laughs> Prodigy was an online service, if anybody remembers that. It took me down a whole trip through memory lane um, with some of these. There was the World Wide Web Browser which was its own wow. download, what, hot Java. And then there were light versions of browsers all over the place before there was this kind of distinguish, this distinguishment between like the online um, PC versions and Mac versions and then the mobile versions. Uh, and that's where things I think got really interesting. So if you have a Samsung device, it has a browser called Internet, just Internet is what the icon <laughs> says. <laughs> You really can't go wrong and it's it's samsung internet so you can pull that browser up and uh start to walk through it and i just visited some sites that i normally look at to see you know what they look like compared to the chrome browser that i normally use on, on my mobile devices and there's so many compatibility and, and view issues and something i thought that was really interesting about this is the responsiveness part and it, it goes back to web design and marty i know you do a lot of this too and that having a responsive site allows you to yeah. view things a certain way, depending on the, the device you use. Uh, and the browser has a lot to do with that, whether or not it can accommodate those, those particular designs. Uh, so it's interesting to, to kind of walk through. But the whole memory lane thing just kind of blew my mind. You remember yeah, OmniWeb? OmniWeb? No, yeah. no, I don't. Yeah, when you started when you started mentioning these names, it, it was like, yeah, I, I remember these and I remember cruising through those at one time. 
I think the the first one I got into was probably Netscape, uh, but I remember Bozilla and going way before Firefox, and which it eventually uh, developed into. But you know, and and I had this affinity for Mozilla. I thought it was a it was a great little browser at the time, considering what browsers were needing to accommodate and and to do. I still use Firefox. You mentioned that you occasionally use Firefox. And it's generally when I run into certain old architecture sites where I have to log in using Firefox. I can't log in using Chrome or Safari doesn't work for me. So then I have to open up Firefox and see if it'll do it. And I don't know if that's the back end of the site that will only require that. The university used to be structured around. Firefox, and there were certain settings that we'd have to do. We'd have to go into Firefox to get to, but it's changed considerably. the The environment's changed considerably. I, uh, I I'm looking at it from an educator, and what does a faculty member need to use them for? I guess they all do the same thing, essentially for us. And for me, it's primarily trying to do web searches to find items or to find things. And then once I find them, you know, storing those links in particular places. And I think browsers came up as a topic because I was starting up on a new computer. And and typically when I start up a new computer and I, I, it's a Mac computer, so I get Safari and I've uh, had a love-hate relationship with Safari. I love its speed. I love its simplicity. And frankly, it gets me into sites that Chrome either cranks away and nothing happens or tells me there's an error on the site and I know there isn't an error on the site. So I'll go to uh, Safari, open the same site, and it'll open it like a flash. And 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 I think it might be because uh, not only I'm using a, a more uh, the latest operating system and, and Chrome hasn't picked up on that, or Chrome itself is so bloated in a lot of ways that it it winds up taking time, not only memory, but it winds up taking time trying to get into these sites and sometimes are unsuccessful. But I'm in that vortex of of Chrome, you know, I feel like a person in a drain spinning around with my hands waving above my head. There's nothing I can do to crawl out of that Chrome vortex that I'm in. I use it for 90% of my web use. It's even gotten sexier lately when it has you do a search and it will give you the searches, but above it, it will give you an AI explanation. And often what I need to know is in the AI explanation. I don't have to go through the links below to click on a bunch of them to figure out what the answer to my question is. So yeah, I'm I'm further and further in that Chrome vortex. I don't know if you've seen that as being helpful or if you've you've done that with the built-in AI. Yeah, I've tinkered around with it a little bit. It's it's interesting. And and uh, you know I'm right there with you. Chrome is the primary browser that I use. And every now and then, uh, you know, I don't have any icons or anything for it on my desktop. It's not on my quick links. It's, but it still lets me know it's still, it's still there. It's still alive. I'm like, Hey, Edge is here. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, still, it's still alive. 
but I've never found myself needing to use it. If something doesn't work on Chrome, generally Firefox will will be mm-hmm. able to load it. Um, and it's it, that's the thing I like still about Firefox is, is the bloat is not there. There's not as much in terms of features. Uh, and, I, I, you know, this is the one I came across that I was excited to ask you about. Have you tried Opera yet? Yeah, I've tried Opera. Um, that's on my... That's on my other attempts list, ones that I've tried. So I, I downloaded it the other day, and I, I, I got about 20 minutes of tinkering time. And then yeah. um, I was just curious what you think. Like, it seems I, I like the look, but I don't know much about how it functions yet. Yeah, here's the problem that I have, and I think probably a lot of users have, which is why they become browser affiliated with particular browsers there's a lot of muscle memory it's sort of like where did i place that where do i go to get that and uh, i i've used opera trying to be kind of let's look at opera and let's look at some ways and and i find it kind of fast and slick but i know where everything is on my chrome browser and i make that same mistake where i keep importing the chrome browser when i Put it, when I have a new machine, I, I import those bookmarks, and then I have a horrendous amount of bookmarks. And so when that happened in the last week, I started thinning them out and getting them into folders, which are part of now my my bookmark bar across the top. So I have a work folder, and I have a, a AI folder because I'm doing some stuff on that. I have a Cessnet folder. Uh, I've got uh, Adobe Premiere, uh, couples counseling class, podcasting, and then storage because I have various service uh, servers and service devices. So I got that all neatly in folders. So when I open up the browser, all the folders are across the top and I can pull down and get to the link that I want because, you know, I have to look at IRB because I'm on the IRB here. I have to look at the IRB link in Kuali once a month. And so I need to know where to find it. And so it's now placed safely there. Without finding it, I have to search. And then I, I you know, now all I could do is pull that down. So like I said, I'm I'm sucked into this vortex of having this stuff organized in this format. And so I've tried others, but I still wind up having, you know, for convenience and for time and for muscle memory, I wind up going back to Chrome. Safari has attempted to move from an old format that looked very much like Chrome with the with the bar across the top, with the folder availability and things like that. And now they've pushed everything to the side like a side menu. And I don't quite understand the grouping thing that you can do. So if there's a bunch of sites that fit under one particular work, you can group them into one place and click on that and then that becomes available for you and it's a whole different kind of logic from here's the folder pull it down i want to that site um it's set up sort of more for workflow and i haven't been able to teach myself that so it's like once again i'm i'm pulled into safari pulled into chrome excuse me all right and I was thinking about as you were talking, you know, that one of the reasons I keep going back to it too is password management. Mm-hmm. That there's a couple of those systems in a couple of places where I I may log in once a month, you know, including paying my bills. 
Yeah. Right. Remembering how to log into my uh, Aqua Pennsylvania account to pay my water bill. You know, I just, I don't, I can't keep that at the forefront of my mind. Um, and password management happens really easily in Chrome. You know, you yeah. can get it, look at things, make those changes. I find that the, you know, it, it'll let you know when you've changed your passwords and you can update those things really easily. Um, it's it's much more difficult, I think, in other browsers. At least I've found that kind of password management part of it. It works about 50-50 for me because it, it will pull up old passwords and then I get stuck and then I have to go. I'm using what I do use with Chrome a lot is with the Mac system, uh, Touch ID on the yeah. keyboard. So, yeah. I mean, I can just do Touch ID. It fills it in and I go. And and that's been great. Yeah, I, I love it when that's an option. So um, other attempts, we talked about Firefox. Um, it's there is the old standby to get us into old systems. And it doesn't have a lot of junk with it. Um, we also mentioned Opera. Uh, which I would encourage users to play around with if you just want a different kind of landscape for your browsing. DuckDuckGo, you know, here's the one that's going to keep all your stuff safe and secure and hidden. But if you look at browsers like Opera or you look at browsers like Chrome and Safari, they all have um, incognito pages. So you can browse incognito. So none of that stuff is stored in terms of your browsing history. So, yeah, you know, DuckDuckGo is kind of built in as an option. I don't want to say built in as an option, but it's it's you have those options on other browsers uh, by just opening anonymous browsing options. Something we should note, though, that people, I think, sometimes forget about is that even though you're in incognito, it means it doesn't store it on your device. Your internet service provider, and if you're on a network, a VPN for your your educational institution or whatever, they still have access to that. Yeah. So you're That's you're only point. not storing things on your computer, and I'm not encouraging people to to, you know. But if you're looking at something that you don't want to be shared, make make sure you know the limitations of these things too. Uh, yeah. And they're all comparable on each of these browsers. Brave. Have you heard of Brave? No, that's a new one for me. I'm gonna have to look it up. Um, and some of these, I, I'm not sure if they're they're Mac only or Windows only. Brave is supposed to be the ultimate cloaking browser. It protects you from spying eyes. And I haven't played with it much. I do have it loaded, but it's an interesting it's an interesting one to look at. It sh it showed up in my applications folder as a as a browser. And then uh, one that I discovered literally a half hour before the before we recorded this that I want to play with more because it's it looks like an interesting design is Arc, A R C, and um, I discovered it because I've got a new laptop and I was looking at an old laptop and on there was this program called Arc and application and I'm like what is that so I clicked on it and it introduce it's like i'd never open the app up because the first thing you do is you create an account with it which you know in and of itself is a, is is a question but the account is supposed to allow you to sync across devices i haven't found that true yet on the two devices i set it up on but it looks interesting and it's got a visual sort of layout that's that's pretty fascinating and I'll get through all of the explanations, the, the five-minute beginning videos on it. 
but it was uh, put together by people who had done some browser development in the past. And so they have a good legacy of knowing how to set up and put together browsers. And this is just one of those, one of those new ones that are out there. And I put it on my new computer and put it on the desktop that I'm, I'm working on now. So we'll play around with it and see what it is, but it, I am e easily seduced into looking at any new browser that comes out. I I personally, like you, have been, oh, okay, Edge. Microsoft keeps reminding me of Edge. And the built-in AI in there, people say, is really great. But I keep going back to st some standard AI, uh, ChatGPT4. And then there's an, uh, other AIs that people talk about. And I go in and I'm just not getting the results that I get using chat gpt4 so those even built into browsers are ways to kind of seduce you into using them and and it just doesn't it it doesn't prove for my end to be as valuable as just using the source so that's that's what i've got about browsers like i said mainly google chrome damn it and because i would like to get out of that google ecosystem but everything we do, if we're using Google Docs and we're using, you know, it's all tied into that browser. You can't easily get into it in other ways. And so that's the that's the ecosystem. And nothing has substituted that for me yet. No, and there's there's been some interesting attempts that that are out there. But most of the time when I'm asked to collaborate or do something, share something, right. you know, it happens in that space. So it's it's hard to get away from, and it functions much easier to use the browser in conjunction with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, when I'm put together in meetings with other people, like we're doing a site visit, and I, you know, we're not on the same, we're not at the same location. The easiest meeting point is uh, through the Google ecosystem because everybody, most likely, everybody on the team has used it at some capacity in the past, and. So there's some familiarity with it, and it's easy to get us all on the same page, literally, if you're sharing docs, and and, and uh, that is best done through a Google browser. So people will send me their, their institution email address, and I'm like, you know, even if you sign into your Google account that way through your institution, it's much better if you just have a Gmail account. And most people have both. So they, they share the Gmail account and we work through that connection through the browser. But that's maybe another topic for another show where we talk about how to do collaborative work and what platforms are available for doing that, and what seems to work for everybody. Oh, I, I have at least a five, 10 minute rant in me about SharePoint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Whenever I have to use SharePoint, uh, we can talk about that again. I will just click all the folders and download them as a zip file and put them on my desktop because I don't. I once I figure out how to get in there, I never want to go back. Right, uh, <laughs> the most unwelcoming environment you can find. Yeah, yeah. So okay, well, I think that does it for for today's uh, episode. How can listeners get involved? Have you got a tech question? Are you trying to figure something out about technology? Or do you have an idea to share? Well, email us at thepodtalknetwork at gmail.com or call and leave a message at 330-333-1240 and we'll play your question in the podcast 
and try and get an answer for you. Our bumper music is from Philip Gross Rast from the Free Music Archive. That's it for today's show. Thanks for subscribing to the Tech Savvy Professor podcast. Everything you need to know is at techsavvyprofessor.net. You can find us by searching Apple Podcasts for the Tech Savvy Professor. Look for us on Spotify, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. And look for our other shows like Circular Firing Squad on thepodtalk.net. Thanks for listening to the Tech Savvy Professor.